We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening. Have a seat, have a seat. I get to do some crazy things during the week. I don't just work on Sunday in case you didn't know. Pastors don't just work on Sunday. Um, I actually work um, like six days a week. And so Monday, Monday through Friday is administrative time for me. But this week I connected with a really cool campaign. It's called He Gets Us. He Gets Us. And this uh, campaign is aimed at bringing the message, the good news of Jesus Christ to people in that millennial and younger age bracket through advertisements that help kind of debunk some of the things that they might think Jesus is. Like, for example, one that played during um, the NCAA March Madness um, was all about how Jesus uh, gets us. He was kind of a rebel. He got in trouble with the religious leaders, and he gets us. And so I partnered with this campaign, which means I opened my life and I opened um, my time to field questions from people who would connect with that advertisement. So they would see it online or they would see it um, and they would click on it and they would want to get connected to a real church and a real person. And I said, yeah, I'll do that. That's not a problem. I did not realize how many texts I would get. I was like, oh my gosh, there was one every, every, every like six hours. Um, And so I'm a very relational person. And so I start connecting with these people and they're asking real, real questions, guys real questions. And they want, they want help and they want uh, to know Jesus. I was able to lead somebody to Jesus through a text message this week. How cool is that? It's so cool. I'm praying for her. She, she came and she had some relational things going on and we got to pray together. And then I got to connect with her in a Bible study in the Bible app. Y'all know that's like my jam, right? If we ever get to connect, I'm like, let's do a devotional in the Bible app. I love it. But one of the people that I was connecting with this week he kind of got offended. And he was like, I just want to speak to a local church. So I tried to connect him to a local church in his area. Unfortunately, he was pretty far away. Uh, but I did find one that kind of uh, gave me like our vibes. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, I, they vibed like Hope Church vibe online. So I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, they went to a really good school. I was like, okay, these, these people are probably it. It'll be good. So I tried to connect him um, and it didn't work out for him. It just wasn't um, a place where he wanted to go. And so he was feeling frustrated and I was frustrated too because I was like, dang it, I really hope that was going to be the fit for you. And he said, I just want a person to tell me about Jesus, a real person. And I said, I am here and I would be happy to share with you about Jesus. And he said, no offense, but you could be a Russian spy or an 88-year-old woman. And he named another thing that I won't mention. And I was like, wow. Well, I don't know why an 88-year-old woman isn't trustworthy, but okay. And I'm definitely not Russian. I don't even speak the language, right? So I wrote him back and I said, I just want you to know that I would love to walk with you through knowing Jesus. I've known Jesus for over 20 years and I'm a real ordinary person. I'm an ordinary mom and an ordinary pastor of an extraordinary church. I do laundry and I do dishes and I clean up, throw up when my kids are sick, and I do all of the ordinary things of life. 
but I would love to share with you about my ordin, my extraordinary God. Have you ever felt like I'm just ordinary? Have you ever said to yourself, I'm just an ordinary person? We all have, haven't we? How many times in your life have you been doing life and thought, man, is this it? <laughs> this is so ordinary and mundane. I remember cleaning toilets. And I thought, Jesus, this can't be it. This cannot be the rest of my life. Cleaning toilets for little boys. Learning how to use the bathroom is not my idea of a fantastic, abundant life. What are we doing here, God? Have you ever felt like that? Yes. Have you ever felt like, man, this is my ordinary life and this is just crazy, boring. This is not what I signed up for. This is not what I thought was going to be my life. I told the guy, listen, I'm ordinary. I like board games and video games and role-playing games. I'm kind of a geek. I water my plants. And I have a rhythm of life that centers around my family and my church. But I have an ordinary life. How many of you have ever been asked the question, what do you do for a living? And have responded, well, I'm just. I'm just a janitor. I'm just a mom. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I'm just a stay-at-home dad. I'm just, I'm just a waiter. I'm just a waitress. I'm just. I just. My goodness, how many times have we just ourselves into a corner? It can feel like we don't have any value and that our ordinary life is wasted and that there's something extraordinary out there, but we just don't have what it takes. I'm just, I'm just. And you might feel right now that you might even be less than ordinary. You might feel like the personal problems of your life actually disqualify you from being loved, accepted, and used by God. But nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. So last week we talked about God's call for each of us as believers. And we said that that call is disciple, right? And that means we are being discipled. And that means we're also going out and making disciples. And the Bible tells us that we're to make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach others to obey everything that Jesus said and did. That's what we're called to do. We're called to disciple. And, and this is an amazing invitation. So this week, I want to introduce you to ordinary people who opened their lives to an extraordinary God. And this ordinary life was transformed. And that transformation sparked a monumental change in the life of this person, in her family, in her city, in her region, and in the country. As a matter of fact, this incident that happened over 2,000 years ago is still happening where she lived. Can you believe it? Just an ordinary person. So we set out looking in the book of Acts. We're here in uh, chapter 15, and Paul is fresh from the Jerusalem council where it was decided that Gentiles were no longer required to be circumcised. Gentlemen, can I get an amen? 
They are to obtain, abstain from, this is what it says, food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from meat of strangled animals, and from blood. That was what they decided was important and pertinent for the Gentiles to know. So no longer did they need to be circumcised. Thank you, Jesus. Right? That didn't need to happen anymore. Um, I think I saw a meme this week um, of... Shame we don't have it on the screen. I saw a meme this week. There's actually a verse in the Bible that says if anybody um, has been circumcised, they shouldn't try to reverse it. And it has like this guy going like, what? Uh, it was so funny because I was like, how do you, I don't, okay. Um, I'll let y'all figure that out in your imaginations. We don't know how that happens, but okay. So Paul sets out, that was a really bad like rabbit hole, but Paul sets out to take the gospel to the Gentiles and his heart is set on going into Asia his heart is, is to go into uh, a further into Gentile territory and to bring them the good news of Jesus. That's what he's out to do. And Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. That's interesting, isn't it? And the Spirit of Jesus said, no, not right now. No, that's not for you, Paul. That's not for you and your crew. I wonder how many times if we would be a little more sensitive to his Holy Spirit, where he would guide us, what he would say. But Paul was blocked by Jesus from going into other places first. Sometimes we think our plan, uh, we think that our plan is what God should be doing, Right? And we kind of like invite God into what we think he should be doing. Like God, okay, my plan is to X, Y, Z, and you're, you're, you're good with that. Let's go. Anybody else tell God that what they think he should do? I do. No, I do. Because I'm like, God, if you would just give me like an additional 70 people on a Sunday morning, that would be amazing. God, if you would just give us an extra, you know, $1,000, 3000 I don't know, three million, whatever, Lord. <laughs> uh, we would be able to like do these things that I have a vision for in my head, like as a church. It would be amazing, Lord. But we have to remember that closed doors aren't always a bad thing. Closed doors aren't always a bad thing. Sometimes it's God moving us in his direction because his views are higher than I and, and his ways are better than mine. And he has a vantage point that I don't have, that you don't have. So sometimes God will block things because he has a higher view. So Paul uh, is, is, is trying to figure out God's will for him. And he has a dream. They're on their second missionary journey. They keep trying to take the gospel into Asia. And so Paul is sitting in the port city of Trous, uh, wondering what to do. And he receives a vision in a dream. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece is pleading with Paul. And he says, come to Macedonia and help us. Come to Macedonia and help us, Paul. I love this verse. It says, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. They decided to leave for Macedonia right away. I think that's probably the correct interpretation of that vision in a dream, right? If somebody's pleading to go, hey, come help us, I think that's probably a good bet. You're probably supposed to go help them. So they decided that, that was also what they wanted to do. So they go and they get to a city called Philippi. 
And Philippi is just a little inland uh, from the coast. They had to take a boat. Um, and they get into Philippi. And at the beginning, at the entrance of Philippi is a stone archway. And it kind of outlines the rules of the city. And one of the rules is you will have no other foreign gods here. Rome's gods and no other. Okay? Greek gods and no other. Like, that's it. We don't allow anything outside of that. So Paul goes there, and you see, in Paul's vision, he visualized a man pleading for help. But when he got to the city, there was no men. You see, in order for any kind of province or city outside of Jerusalem, outside of Israel, um, it would be required that there would be 10 other Jewish men in the city to open a synagogue. So 10 Jewish men had to be in the city. And when, when Paul got there, he had a kind of a vision. You see, Paul had a pattern to how he did missionary work. So he would go into the city where there was already a Jewish presence and a synagogue, and he would have a ready-made audience and a ready-made platform and a ready-made stage so that he could share and express the gospel to people who were probably a little more open to it because they were Jewish. And Paul was also Jewish, and he had a really good experience at being an orator. But he shows up to Philippi, and he sees, like, that ain't going to happen here. And he goes in the city, and there are not 10 men. There are no 10 men in the city who are Jewish. Crazy, right? How many times have you showed up for something in your life, and you thought, this is the way it's going to go down? I need this, this, and this. And then I'll just do what God says, and it's all going to turn out. And it doesn't. It doesn't look anything like you thought it was going to. Guys, when I launched this church, when Alfie and I were like in planning, we had our team and we're doing all this stuff. And then COVID hit. That did not look anything like I thought it was going to look. I was like, this is not what I signed up for. What are we doing? Why? Why is this happening to us? This is crazy. But here we got Paul arriving. And things are not the way he thought they were going to go. But Paul was into building the kingdom of God, not building his own castle. So he waited and he stayed in the city for several days. He still needed God's guidance on where to start though. He still needed to know where to go. And our best laid plans for the future are nothing if we don't surrender them to God's plans and God's way. God will guide us in our ordinary lives, just as he did Paul. If you'll recall from a sermon a little bit ago, Paul was an ordinary man. If you remember, we read a description from a Jewish historian about Paul, and it said that he was bow-legged and balding and short. Just an ordinary guy. He was an ordinary guy with an extraordinary mission. I want you to remember that we can't judge others or ourselves by what we see and what is perceived right away because God just uses the ordinary in extraordinary ways. So now we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 16. You can read along with me in verse 11. It says, from Trous, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Thamotrace. And the next day we went to I went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. 
we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer of purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. What? Well, that'll just blow a lot of theology about women and leadership, won't it? Because this ordinary obedience led to extraordinary transformation. And that's true for us today too. Ordinary obedience leads to extraordinary transformation. You see, Paul, in obedience to the spirit of Jesus, travels to what he suspects will be the synagogue and there's no men. And, and, and I just wonder, I wonder, I wonder why God used a man in, in, in the vision instead of a woman. Isn't that interesting? Maybe because Paul wouldn't have went, <laughs> but he went anyway. That's a joke, guys. He would totally go. God was in control and in charge. But here we've got Lydia and friends sitting around this riverbank, and Paul shows up. So he arrives, and there's no place to teach, and there's no place to preach. So on Sabbath, he hears that there is a gathering to pray to Yahweh outside of the town so they're not in violation of the town's laws. Also, conveniently, um, when you're a dyer of purple cloth, you need an extraordinary amount of water. So it would be likely that that would be a very common place for her and her um, friends and family to meet. So he goes there. Paul could have easily been discouraged when he was presented with the circumstances and with the audience that he had because it didn't seem ideal. You see, women didn't have the advantages that Christ has given us today at that point. Women were often looked down on and especially in Jewish society and culture, many Jews would even go on to say, they would say, uh, thank you, God, that you didn't make me a woman. Ouch. Right? Thank you, God, that you didn't make me a woman. I mean, they wouldn't teach them. There was no, uh, no way to be discipled as a woman. You couldn't go and learn under Gamaliel like the men could. That was out of the question. Then Jesus right? And then Paul, in obedience to Christ, he went to the ordinary. He went to women who were faithful and open to receive whatever God had for them. By all accounts, Lydia is an ordinary woman. She's a businesswoman. She works hard. She learned how to make purple cloth from uh, Thyatira. There is a guild there. And so she, she likely did make enough money to buy into the guild, or maybe she inherited it. Who knows? But she is part of the guild and she does do her trade. And now she's moved and lived in Philippi where she trades her fabric. And she has a family that does have a home large enough to welcome in uh, people. Now back then there were, um, 
there were, it was a patronage, right? So if you were a, a family, it's likely that there would be several members of the family that lived in the same house, aunties, uncles, cousins, you know, grammys, grampies, everybody lived in the same house and they kind of did the family business, right? It's, it's a really interesting dynamic. And there would also be servants and slaves under that patronage. As a matter of fact, it would be very common if you found yourself without work or without a family that you would go and say, may I be under you. That means that person would take you into their home. So that's probably the situation that Lydia is living in. But she is um, open and she's by the riverside. And Lydia was likely a convert to Judaism because she was a Greek and a woman um, would not have been counted important to learn any more about Judaism, especially as a Greek. So she only had a limited amount of knowledge about God. But what she did choose was this, I will serve no other God, but I will serve Yahweh. So I'm going to go and pray every day. Well, that's a sacrifice. That's a big deal for her. But it was an ordinary obedience. She just said yes. How crazy is that? So Lydia was obedient to what she did know. She knew to set apart the Sabbath and she knew to pray. She was obedient to what she did know. So are you obedient to what you know? You may not know very much about Jesus, but you can be faithful to your current understanding. I believe that there is grace for us as we learn and as we grow and as we encounter uh, Jesus and more of our heart is filled with love and there is less room for sin. I believe that we grow. Lydia's obedience with others by that river led her to find a greater understanding. And so this fulfills God's promise to us. When we are faithful and obedient to what we do know, when we obey what we do know about God, he fulfills his promise. In Jeremiah 29, 13, he says that we can find him, that we will find him when we seek him with all of our hearts. I believe that every single person, wherever they are, no matter who they are, are able to receive and know God. Isn't that amazing? From the man in prison who's committed the unthinkable to the three-year-old in kids' church and everyone in between, no matter their mental health status, no matter their status in the world, every single person able to know God, everyone, everywhere, an honest and earnest pursuit of God will always result in relationship and a greater understanding of who he is. So this is the first way to be obedient to God, is to listen. Lydia teaches us to listen. It says, as she listened to us. So Luke tells us that her ordinary obedience is rewarded by a greater understanding of God's kingdom. And God's purpose is, now make no mistake, that listening is the very first step to ordinary obedience that results in extraordinary transformation. Listen. Listen. What is God telling you to do? What is God telling you to do? Where is he asking you to meet him? Is it to stop losing it with your kids? Is it to actually show up one time for work? 
is to stop stealing the stapler from your neighbor's desk. <laughs> Where's my stapler? Is it to maybe walk your neighborhood like we talked about last week and open your lives and your homes to other people? Or is it more serious than that? Is God asking you to listen and obey and to let go of that show or podcast that reinforces your addictions? Not all good shows are God shows, folks. Maybe you're supposed to serve him here and you've missed growth track. Maybe you're supposed to jump on team. Where is God speaking to you? Maybe it's just to obey the last thing he said to you. Maybe it's just to be faithful right where you are. Whatever God is speaking to you, do what he's saying because your transformation and the transformation of your family and your workplace and your business and your school and your city starts when you listen and obey. Have you noticed the theme in our teaching over the past three weeks in our series? How do we be on mission? How can we be on mission for God? What's the first step? Obedience. Faithful obedience and listening to God is the very first step of obedience. All right, point number two this morning. Extraordinary transformation impacts generations and regions. You can open up the floodgates of heaven and the kingdom of God is near when we open our ordinary lives to God. On the bank of that river, Lydia learns that the kingdom building plans that God has is through Paul's, Paul's obedience to Christ in coming, right? You see the lineage of obedience? Paul's obedient to Christ in coming to Philippi. Lydia's obedient to Jesus through hearing and listening to the instruction of obedient Paul. And this is what happens. Her obedience in listening to Paul is the obedience of baptism. Baptism is the next step for her. And that's the public proclamation uh, to herself and to her family that they are dead to sin and alive in Christ. And this sparked a fire in the town of Philippi. It might have been illegal, but there is nothing that can stop the kingdom of God. Nothing can stop the kingdom of God. Obedience in baptism can spark transformation for your family. If you have not been baptized, I am inviting you. Come and experience the public declaration that is baptism. Here on May 1st, you can sign up for it today. Invite your family and your friends and let them be witnesses of your life transformed because it will make an impact that you might not see coming. Lydia led her family in obedience to the word of God that came through Paul. And they agreed to be baptized. Did you know the impact your obedience can have in the generations to come? I'm going to take just a few minutes to talk to parents and future parents. Your children will learn lessons in church that they will carry with them for the rest of their lives. If they are young, take them to church. If you're listening on the podcast, Listening on the podcast isn't enough. Take your kids to church. 
Bring them and let them see this. Why? This is a study that showed in families where both mom and dad went to church regularly, 72% of children remained faithful in adulthood. You want your kids to follow Christ. You want your kids to be obedient to Jesus. Bring them to church, both of you. It's powerful. 72%, that's really good odds, isn't it? Can I tell you that my mom and dad insisted I come to church even when I didn't want to? Even when I was a 15-year-old goober who was doing the stupidest stuff you can imagine. Strung out, smoking reefer in the church bathroom, guys. Let's just be real. And they made me go anyway, embarrassed and all. And here I am. Right? Because of their faithfulness, what was planted in my life would serve me in my darkest times and bring me back home. Because you might not get them to take the faith right away, but what you're giving them is a roadmap to follow home when they're lost. Give them the map. Give your kids the map. Because here's the rest of the study. Guys, dads, do you know how powerful your influence is? Did you know that this study showed that even if just dad took them to church, just daddy, 55% of kids would stay in the faith in adulthood. But if it was just mom, only 15%. Dads rule. Dads do rule. But do you see your influence, dads? Men, do you see what God's placed on your shoulders? It's a big deal. Take your kids to church. Bring them faithfully. Because the bad news is that if neither of you bring your kids to church, there's only a 6% chance that they're going to know Jesus. Now that 6% is huge. I know Liz is one of the 6%. I know that Alfie's one of the 6% that got drug along by one of the 72 percenters. Me. Right? Take your kids to church. As a parent, you, you cannot force your children to become Christians, but you can pray for them. You can have family devotions in your home. You can bring them to church, and you can invite other Christians into your home. Host a group in your house. It's cool. Let your kids see your faith in works. And can you just be, be honest with your kids? Show them when God shows up in your finances. Show them when you're faithful with your finances that God is showing up. Show them. The faithfulness of God in your life. Let them see you struggle. Let them see you wrestle with doubt. Let them see you kind of figuring life out. But show them. Show them a faith that's active and they will stay. And if they wander, they will know how to come home. It's huge. If you are a parent and you didn't get to do that, it's not too late. Even as an adult, if your kids are out of your house, letting Christ transform your life now will demonstrate an active faith, and it's never too late. It is never too late in your life for Christ to transform your family. Do not give up hope, because generations were affected by Lydia's yes. Generations saw the evidence in Philippi, and it's still there today. Can I tell you that you can go on Google Maps, and you can go to the town of Philippi, Philippi, they spell it different now because it's Greek and it's cool, right? But now you can go on Google Maps and you can see the ruins of the city. And you know what's crazy? Is there's like seven or eight churches there now. 
And you know what happened when Lydia said yes to Jesus? This is what happened. The church spread. Can I tell you that the church spread through Greece and then it spread through Asia? All because one woman went to church one Sunday and said yes to Jesus. One woman said yes to Jesus at a church service by the river. And the region was changed and generations were changed. All because an ordinary person said yes to an extraordinary God. God is calling you to say, yes, get your ordinary and I will make it extraordinary for my kingdom. Listen, this is what happens next. It says, it says in Acts uh, 1640, Paul and Silas got themselves in a wee bit of trouble because they got on fire. They got lit up for Jesus. Lydia invites them into their house and gives them a base for operations. She launched a church in her house. Don't tell me women can't do that. It says so right in the Bible. Paul empowered her, equipped her, and released her to be a woman leader starting a church that changed the whole region. Yes, he can. After Paul and Silas get into prison, it says... They came out of prison. They went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them and then they left. Lydia opened her home to the brothers and sisters and made a home for ordinary people to encounter the extraordinary just like she did. Her home became a place where ordinary transformed into extraordinary the point is that when ordinary people let Jesus transform their lives, the extraordinary happens. God moves. Chains are broken. Curses are removed from people's lives. Fear is banished. Justice reigns. Mercy comes to life. Orphans are put in families. When we say yes to Jesus... When we say yes with our ordinary lives, God is in the restoration business and he will take the ordinary and the spirit of Jesus does extraordinary and he makes the, the, the part whole again. He brings everything to the table. I am an ordinary person. I am an ordinary person and I choose to allow Jesus to use this ordinary life I turn it over to him. I give him my castle and my crown. I am not building my kingdom. This is not my church. This is God's church and you are God's people. And I give him my family and my finances and I say yes. Yes, God. Yes to what you want. What about you? What about you this morning? Are you ready to use your ordinary life for the extraordinary one mission that God has called us to? Because I'm telling you, it's amazing. And I can tell you how. Here's what it says in Romans. This is the instructions for how to make your ordinary life extraordinary in the hands of God. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embrace what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, instead, fix your attention on God. 
You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. God will take your ordinary and use it in extraordinary ways when you are open, responsive, and generous. Open your lives. Be a hope dealer. Just like Dr. Dwight taught us, be a hope dealer. Hear his voice. Open your lives. Provide for other people's needs. And explain what Jesus has done for you. Hope. That's what we give here every single week. Become a hope dealer means being an ordinary person who is connected to an extraordinary hope in Christ. Ephesians 1:18 through 21 is my benediction and my prayer for you as a church every single day. It's part of our guiding verse here and you'll hear it in growth track if you come and you should. We'll have another growth track at the end of April after Easter. Anybody excited for Easter? I'm excited for Easter. We got some stuff cooking. Two quick announcements. Good Friday experience is coming. It's a Friday evening at Ross Station. Please mark your calendars. It's going to be a time of intimate worship and communion. It's going to be a time to really kind of experience Jesus in some really meaningful Christian ways like we do these things. So we're going to teach you about that communion. But this is what and Easter's coming, by the way, next, that Sunday after Easter is coming. It's going to be amazing. But this is my prayer for you today. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the age to come. You see, there is going to be an age to come. And where you spend your time in that age to come depends on how you answer the question, do you know Jesus? Knowing in the sense of intimate relationship where you set everything in your life in order around Christ. If you don't know him that way this morning, I want to invite you to pray with me in just a few minutes. You can grab your phones too because I want to know that you pray this prayer so that I can send you a text of encouragement this week. You'll be able to snap a QR code on the screen or you'll be able to text to 94,000 so that we can follow up with you. But if you need to say, today is the day that I'm going to say yes to Jesus, I want to invite you to pray with me. We're going to say a simple prayer. And you can pray it in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. We are not all about embarrassing people at Hope Church or making you come to the front or, you know, thrash about. We don't do all that mess, okay? Because we believe the power is in the Spirit connecting with your spirit in relationship. So would you pray with me? If you're saying yes to Jesus, just say something like this. God, here I am. 
Jesus, have your way in my life. I am saying yes to a relationship with you today. I say yes to your will and yes to your way, Jesus. Whatever you ask of me, I want to be listening and obedient to what you say to me today. Would you help me by letting me know through the power of your Holy Spirit that you're hearing me? In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you today have walked outside of where God has put some parameters in your life and you've been disobedient to God. It's okay. And I've been there. And today you need to tell God I'm back. I'm not running anymore. I'm not hiding anymore. I want to be obedient. You're going to have the opportunity to pray and snap that QR code in just a minute or text. If you're listening on the podcast, all of this is available to you. You can do it anytime. If you're ready to say, I am committing my life to you, Jesus, this week, would you pray something like this with me? Father, I know that I have been going the wrong direction, but today I'm saying I'm back. I'm back, Jesus. I want to say yes to you and yes to your will and yes to your way. I want to get back on track and back in your favor. I am going to listen and I am going to obey this week. Would you help me by letting me feel your smile through the Holy Spirit? Help me to feel your presence in my life. Lead me and guide me. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. If you took the opportunity to pray that prayer and said, I'm back, I'm back, please make sure you text, I'm back, no punctuation, to 94,000 or scan the QR code on the screen. We want to just connect with you. We just want to send you a text and let you know that we're praying for you. I am so honored to pastor this amazing church of ordinary people who are allowing God to do extraordinary things with their lives. I pray that as you go throughout this week, that you become a hope dealer wherever you go. I pray that you are finding those needs and filling it. I pray that you're opening your home. Come on. It's going to be an amazing journey as we go together and bring people far from God home to the Father. I hope you have an amazing week. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday at 10 a.m. in Seaford, Delaware at the Seaford Senior High School Auditorium. If you would like more information, you can find it at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's hope, D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening.